Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Maybe we're making one extra pass. I don't know. Maybe it's what it looks like from up there, but honestly, it's just a little bit grittier, a little bit more uh, FU mentality, and um, especially around, like I said, the dirty areas around the net. Um, but they, they locked it down pretty good, especially after they got the first one. They were able to sit back, and uh, we tried to have, we had to play through them instead of the opposite. So uh, when you give it the first one, you usually play on, you have to play on your toes. You have to keep going, pushing forward, and uh, it's a little bit harder when a team's got a lead on you. Sabres drop a third in the last four. Last night it was 4 nothing Panthers, two very late goals for the visitors, and otherwise a pretty strong night for Eric Comrie and company, but no run support, which has been something we talked about an awful lot when Uko Pekalukinen has been in the cage. Welcome to the show with uh, Marty. I'm Brian, and I'm back to a more normal size <laughs> dude i looked i went back and looked at the video of our broadcast last night you're a little puffy like, oh my gosh like it was i was wearing a vest underneath the hockey jersey i thought this is fine it'll keep me warm and it'll be almost not noticeable <laughs> and i looked at it i was like now I know why you called me Vasilevsky as soon as you showed up at the set. Oh. I said, do you have your shoulder pads on? And you said, no, I have my goalie chesty. And I said, oh, okay, Vasilevsky. <laughs> uh, hey, just a quick anyway, note. I was, it, I was warm, despite, you know, the, the, the Sabres offense can unfortunately not say the same. I was at least warm in the building last uh, night. I am warm today, you know why? Because I got my new Hamburg Hawks toque on oh, beanie on nice. that I was gifted by the uh, great Amberg Hawks team that I got to play at the uh, key bank center yesterday and uh, they How won great their are game they? five to two. How and, great uh, are they? Uh, they are fantastic. Are they so, so good that, uh, you know, I went into their room, I actually went into cheek to Waga warriors room as well, but this is our great producer, Jeff Coltnack's uh, son's team. He's on the left there with the long blonde locks. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I got to talk to them. It was, it was awesome. They were almost late because I talked too much and then they had to rush getting dressed, but oh, I took my. my time in the Chictawaga room to give the Hamburg Hawks a little bit of time, but no, it was, uh, so anyway, they gifted me this hat and I said, guys, I know you're missing school yesterday. They missed school to play. Like, I don't want you guys to miss school tomorrow, but have your parents or anybody kind of. DVR Sabres live and watch it when you get home because I'm going to have the hat on. So there he is. Amber Cox beanie that I'm spotting today. So it was actually payment for your appearance because you do charge a fee. So I'm curious what you got from cheek to Waga as well, which you're not wearing at the moment. Well, I only get payment when the team wins. So if I go and speak <laughs> to them and they win, I get payment. Unfortunately, I, you know, cheek to Waga did not win. And they're like, Marty, your speech sucked. <laughs> I did have fun with both locker rooms though. There was some great question. One yeah. guy, one kid asked me, right, were you nervous to play in the NHL? I'm like, Great question. 
It's a great question because they're playing on the ice at KeyBank Center, right? And it's like a big ring. I'm like, is the ring different? They're like, yeah, it's different. I'm like, no, the ice is the same. The goals are the same. The lines are the same. Everything's the same. It's bigger arena. And then one kid goes, locker rooms are nicer. I'm like, yeah, they were in the uh, Buffalo Bandits room, the Chicktawaga team. Uh, but yeah, I'm like, you know, that's a great experience. But they were nervous. They were nervous to go on the ice where the Buffalo Sabres and the NHL play. So one kid asked, were you nervous? Was there a lot of pressure to play in the NHL? And I said, there is, but you start to enjoy it. You enjoy it when there's 18,000 people and maybe you're on the road and they boo you, or maybe you're at home and they cheer for you. It's fun. So anyway, it was a great uh, thing yesterday afternoon after our show. And uh, unfortunately, the winning stopped with the Hamburg Hawks. It didn't keep going with the Sabres last night uh, against Florida. First NHL rink you played in as a kid, was it Le Colise? Le Colise was the first one. It was the Pee Wee tournament. Um, the second one, funny enough, the second rink I played with was the Mellon Arena, <laughs> the Igloo in Pittsburgh when I played my first NHL game. I didn't play in any other NHL mm. rinks other than the Colise. I had actually already I played an, another game in the Colise with my junior team. We played a game there. Um, but the second rink that I played in was the Mellon Arena, the Civic Center in Pittsburgh. Well, coming up on the show today, uh, Shana Goldman, of course, at the bottom of the hour, yep. as always, and Seth Appert from the Amherst, as they are hosting their military appreciation night tonight, all part of this uh, uh, stretch of seven games in 11 days. And they started it off with a win in Utica. As And before we transition to uh, the Amherst and Seth for a quick chat about tonight's game, um, last night, obviously, yeah. Tons of shots, no results against Stolars. As the game went on, the lines changed again a little bit. So the lines reflected a little bit of that in practice today as Buffalo leaves this afternoon for St. Paul to take on the Wild tomorrow. We're on the air at 4.30 with game coverage beginning at 5. Skinner Thompson Tuck reunited in the third period. Middlesat Cousins Greenway is a new look line today. Benson with Krebs and Paterka is also a new trio. And Olofsson, Gergensen's Opozo, a line we've seen often in the past, is a trio that may be on display tomorrow. Regardless of the configurations, Marty, how does this group find out how to score on nights, whether they get 22 shots or whether they get 45 shots or 48 or somewhere in between? Yeah, so the only change that Don Granado made in game last night was to move Tuck to the top line and basically Oposo taking Tuck's place with Middlestat and Greenway. Now there's a little bit more movement in that. Um, listen, I get, I listened to Alex Tuck speak after the game. I mean, we got to get more to the inside. We uh, Look, this is not the St. Louis Blues game. I, I I get it. It's a 4 nothing loss. It looks bad. Really, it's a 2 nothing loss, empty net, and then a late power play goal that's just to screw up the stats, right? And I hate those. And I know I've been very vocal about them before. After the empty net goal, the next goal you give up, never good for the goalie. And I I hate that. But I look at the numbers. Remember the other day I said against St. Louis, they had zero grade A chance in the game, zero. Yeah. Well, Florida only got two. The Sabres had seven grade A chance in that game last night. They created plenty, in my opinion, to at least get a goal or two. Maybe that's not the four or five that I said it was going to need. Remember yesterday I said Sabres need to score at least four, maybe five to beat the Florida Panthers. They're a team that, you know, can score and will score three or four 
a lot of games. Um, but it wasn't that game. One or two was enough to get you a point. He just mm -hmm. couldn't bury it. And for me now it becomes the, okay, I feel like they got to the areas where they needed to score. I think of Caloposo's chance in the first period on the rebound. And I looked up to you and I said, this is something, and I'm going to use Danny Briere as an example. Danny Briere used to put a bucket of pucks in the crease. And all he did is he used his blade and he scooped it up. Bar down, bar down, bar down, bar down. He scooped every puck. He didn't mm -hmm. put it in the back of the net on the ice. He scooped it, right? Because he knew that if there's a puck there, the goalie's going to be taking the bottom like 18 inches of the, you know, the ice to the about 18 inches high. You got to go over. You got to go over. Cal wasn't able to go over. Casey wasn't able to go over. That's the thing. So now I'm saying, hey, how about like, I know there's, you know, you do your drills in practice, but how about after practice, you use the, uh, you know, the uh, Enrot and uh, Milrot and Endler, you know, those two like uh, shooter tutor goalies, put mm -hmm. in a net, put a bunch of pucks around the crease and and go up, bar down, bar down, bar down. find the, 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 the holes because the Sabres had chances. They had all Swedish no finish last night. That was basically what it was. Yeah, and the most inexplicable, unbelievable was the Cousins one late that oh. went from one side of the crease to the other and underneath uh, Anthony Stolarz. But uh, regardless, that's uh, now in the past, and up next, it's Minnesota. And what's following that is a matinee affair on Monday, and we are calling on all young Sabres fans to be there for this one as the Sabres celebrate their future all-star fans with uh, Youth Hockey Day. It's Monday, February 19th, 12.30 p.m. The Ducks are in. First 5,000 kids in attendance to receive a Sabres mini stick. So visit sabres.com slash tickets today. Military Appreciation Night for us last night here in Buffalo for the Amherst tonight in Rochester. And it's game two of this stretch of seven in 11. Amherst coach Seth Appert is with us now here on Sabres Live. Hi, Seth. Welcome to the back to the show. How are you? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Do you, um, I mean, the Amherst, um have been so good over the last number of years and probably for a lot longer than that, but with the creative, beautiful jerseys on specialty nights, and tonight is no exception with the military appreciation jerseys. What do you take out of nights like this for you and your group and just the entire experience? Well, first of all, I think, um, you know, just as your responsibility to the community you're in, I think these nights are great um, to share what we are with uh, that particular community. And tonight it's military, right? And to uh, let them know how much we uh, appreciate them, how grateful we are uh, for what they do for us uh, in our community, in our country, uh, and to honor and celebrate them. So um, to me, it's it's a little bit more of our responsibility, I think, as as you know, one of the premier things in in our community uh, to be able to give back and and support other causes. Um, we had ours last night. It was fun. Uh, I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy. Uh, yours tonight. Um, one player I want to ask you about is Lucas Rusek. And I know we talked a lot about Rusek of late. Um, he has three consecutive games now with two points. He has eight points in his last five games, I believe. Um, he's been offensively really doing well. What type of player do you think Lucas Rusek will be when getting to the next step at the NHL level? Like, I know it's hard to Jack, but what type of player do you think he'll be when he gets a full-time chance at the NHL level? Yeah, you know, his game has really developed this year. It's been fun to see. He's always been talented. He's always been a great passer. Um, but this year, 
you know, he's this stretch of games of, of eight and five is coming off of a 13 game point streak too. And then a couple withouts and then bam, right back again. And the creativity and the skill has always been there, but now he's, he's more of a weapon with his shot. He's still a pass first player, but he is more of a weapon with his shot. Uh, but his competes off of the puck and to get the puck back right now is an all time high in his career. Um, he's hounding the puck. He's being a relentless four checker. Um, he's back checking. He's becoming one of our best defensive players right now. And that those are all huge because to stick full-time in the NHL to your question, it's going to have to be probably as a third line secondary scoring energy guy that also is really good at being hard to play against and being good defensively. Okay. So how how would you describe him as far as like um, a self-motivated, you know, or like what goes into having him game ready? Like, it, and, you know, do you notice things in, do you notice things in everybody as far as how they prepare and, how, and what does Lucas do that catches your eye in his preparation? He's pretty chill. His preparation is very chill. And so, but, but he's earned my trust with how competitive he plays in the game. You know, it, it's so chill that if you didn't know him as well, you might be worried, is he getting ready? But but he's getting ready. Um, he's going to bring it. And now he's done that so consistently that you just trust that he is. But, you know, he's funny. He, he's uh, I love coaching him now the more you get to know him. The other day in practice, he made just a sick uh, backhand pass for a backdoor goal. And he comes by and, and we said something and he's like, uh, backhand for him. It, it does not matter. You know, like, it's just like, I can make all the plays. It doesn't matter. Just, you know, um, he's, he's a lot of fun. Um, him and Byro have really good chemistry. And if he's giving brand Byro a crap for missing a play, he calls him Brandon. Uh, oh. And we, we never call him Brandon. It's Beersy, but he's got that accent. And uh, 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 if, if Brandon missed a play. He's like, Oh, come on, Brandon. That's terrible. You know? <laughs> um, so those two have really good chemistry and, and, uh, and Brett Murray has been with them. Uh, and Brett Murray has been a catalyst for a lot of lines over the last two months. Um, and I think it's a real credit to the consistency that he's played with. So the schedule reads as follows Friday, Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. That's pretty crazy. Um, are you putting a limit of the uh, um, amount of uh, pizza slices guys get after games? Uh, is there more protein shakes? Is there more energy drink? Like you got to manage all of that, right? Uh, it, it's going to be tough, but are you looking also at ice time, you know, with games? Like you got to think ahead, not just tonight, but you got to look at the whole week. Yeah, and it started Wednesday in Utica. So it's I really wanted games. to say the amount of beers the guys can have after games, but I, I wasn't <laughs> going to go there. <laughs> or, or or the coaching staff. Or the staff, yes. Yeah. Um, the um, but yeah, no, we've talked about. We started talking about it at the end of last weekend after the two overtime games of Syracuse. That that rest is a weapon. We need to take care of our bodies. We need to be getting as much rest, hydration, proper eating. Um, I like Craven handle most of that stuff. Our strength coach Nick Craven's yep. fabulous. Um. But ice time, yeah, you're trying to spread it out as much as you can, uh, trying to get guys in and out of line. We're going to need all – we have 15 healthy forwards right now. They're all going to play over this seven-game stretch. Some guys are going to have to have load management, um, especially some of the younger guys, uh, and, and scale that back. Um, we're not as deep on defense right now, so we don't have as much of that luxury. But, um, you know, we're looking at it as a seven-game playoff series. You know, 
you know, obviously we need to make the playoffs first and standings are really tight, but you know, I said, this is an opportunity for us to try to put ourselves in that mindset and you can learn and grow and get yourself ready. Should we make the playoffs treating it like that, really treating this as a best of seven. We talked about going down the road game one, What's the best way to start a series? Well, you win a road game, you play gritty, you play dirty, you get physical. You know, so we're trying to put our guys in the mindset that this is a seven-game playoff series. Is there, this may sound weird, but is there any part of the seven-game stretch that is more daunting physically? Like whether it's the Monday afternoon game, because that's the third and four, or is it the back end of the seven games where that's a back-to-back and you have a long trip to Hershey? Like how how do you view all that? I think that um, Monday's game will be hard. It's four and six, it's back-to-back, but it is in the NHL arena and they're going to have a big crowd. So I think that that probably energizes you enough. If it's uh if it's a Monday or a Wednesday game and at the end of that, there's not a very good crowd on the road and a normal building. It might be a really hard one. I think there's probably 12, 13, 14,000 in Scotiabank that day. So I think that that'll energize the group. I think that Hershey game on the back end, number one, they're the best team in the league. They're physical, they're old, they're heavy. You're on the end of a seven 11, you play at home, you bust five hours through the middle of the night. And then you have to play the best team in the league the next day that that played at home the night before. So um, that's going to be a heck of a ch- test. Uh, hopefully we've got the seven game series won by then and we're playing with house money. Um, yeah, I mean, that would be great. I hated that trip to Hershey after a home game. Like, like seriously, it, it feels like it takes forever. Like I remember trying to fall asleep and then waking up and we're like in Syracuse. I'm thinking like, why, why are we not that far? Like, let's go, let's keep going. I hated that trip to Hershey, but anyway, hopefully you guys are, like you said, already won the series and you're good. Um, but when, when I was in Rochester, not that I would ever go up to the coach and say, I want to play. Kutchie, back in the time, Brian McCutcheon was our coach. I'd say, Kutchie, let's go. Uh, but do you have that conversation with Devin Levi and, and your goalies about, hey, this is the schedule. I know you talked about load management with some players and everybody's going to play, but I almost feel like a guy like Devin would want to play as much as he can in that stretch. Get me going. Like, I want to go, right? Is that... Is that the way you see it as a former goalie or do you have to kind of get yourself out of the goalie mentality and, and be more of the coach and manage that? Um, no, I think it'll be a situation that he wants to play a lot. He does want to play a lot. He and I've talked about this. Uh, we're going to be intelligent about how we do it. Um, uh, but you know, I think mapping it out with Seamus and with management, um, you know, he's, he's likely to get five of those seven starts. Um, I think that that's, you know, he's ready for it physically. He needs the time in the net. Um, that's part of his development is, is handling these situations. Part of the development is, you know, going on a five hour bus trip through the middle of the night and having to play Hershey, the best team in the league. Uh, you know, part of the development is getting on a bus on Wednesday and driving two hours and going to Utica and having to get off the bus and go play a game that, that handling all of the little things and the different things that get thrown at you in the American league um is good for everybody's development and it is for Devin's right now as well uh briefly uh how would you describe the development of Noichev so far this year yeah he's been a fun story made a big big step in the last six weeks uh I'd say it's been three months that we saw it as the coaching staff his daily habits his competitiveness and, and his work ethic increased a lot three months ago and then now it's been like six weeks that it's translated into games um, and he and Kozak uh, were excellent together in Utica, and they both got three points 
which was great to see Kozak break out offensively. Uh, but but Noichev has, has been one of our best offensive players in the last month. It's been awesome to see that development. Um, little Birdie told us the other day that Vinny Prospel brought his equipment back for the three-on-three game. Um, any updates on how the coaches have fared now? Because I think last time you guys were on a, uh, a winning streak of some sort. I do believe the coaches lost today. Um, okay. I don't join them. I let them have their fun. Um, uh, and sometimes the healthy scratches don't like to see the head coach anyway out there. Um, you know, they might be it's mad too dangerous for you. Yeah. They might, they might be mad at me enough. Um, and I, and I respect that. Everybody wants to play. That's a good yeah. thing. So, um, but Vinny and Pesha are pretty competitive and Vinny's competitiveness, as you know, is one of the highest I've ever seen in a human. Um, so he fully gears up now and, and, uh, he's right in there with the boys. They love it. Good luck tonight and for the duration of this seven-game series. Thank you, Seth. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. <laughs> seven in 11 for the Amherst, and it started with a win in Utica tonight. It's Military Appreciation Night, the military salute. And again, go to Amherst.com. Beautiful jerseys to be worn tonight by the home side. And, of course, at Blue Cross Arena, it should be a terrific atmosphere against a very good opponent. Uh, Wilkes-Barre blasted the Marlies the other night, 6-1. to one, And uh, Seth Ooh. was actually talking to the media in Rochester this morning just about how when they are healthy, uh, how solid they are. So you think of teams like Wilkes-Barre, Seth mentioned Hershey. Milwaukee right now in the AHL is riding a 15-game winning streak. And, of course, a lot of that is centered around recent first round pick yep. uh, Askarov in goal who hasn't lost since prior to Christmas. And we mentioned this at a time when Nashville gave up nine goals last night and UC Soros didn't make it out of the first period. So how would yeah. you feel as the coach, if your team is oh, down for nothing after one, but not only are you down for nothing, you're down 18, one in shots on goal. That is the at effort home. that at home, that is the effort that Nashville predators put up last night i know we've had our moments here in buffalo but 18 to 1 shots on goal and the score is for nothing that's yeah. no bueno well especially i mean it, we emphasize how critical every game is for buffalo and let's you know i mean we've been keeping it real for quite a while like i mean there's 29 to go the sabers probably have to go 23 and 6 now well the fact of the matter is the predators are a lot closer yes in the wild card race and to have that kind of performance on home ice when there was opportunity to, you know, make ground or keep pace or whatever. And they got blasted. Calgary got blasted at home by San Jose and Dustin Wolf. Not a good performance all around there. St. Louis rallied to win against Edmonton. L.A. hung on to win against New Jersey with Dave Riddick and Dave. Gold. So, like, those were massive victories for the two wildcard holders and St. Louis, or pardon me, Seattle, even with a phenomenal win on the road in Boston, not able to close the gap, but still within four points. So, so wild times, Arizona's fallen completely out of the picture. They've lost seven in a row now. Uh, hey, but amidst... they play tonight. They So Carolina at Arizona tonight. The only game in the four pro sports, major sports. There's no NBA. There's no MLB. There's no NFL. There's only one hockey game, and it is <laughs> Carolina at Arizona. Figure that one out. But anyway, I just wanted well, to what say. What am I just, supposed to figure out? Like, what part of it are you are you getting at? Like, it's a game. The part is that I hate the league's desire to be a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday league. Why do you have 12 well, games Wednesday's on Wednesday's rivalry night. I know, but you only have like two games on Wednesday or whatever. It should be like four to eight games a night. 
Like, come on now. We don't have to worry about it. Like 12 uh, games one night, you can't see everything. And I hate that because I want to be able to get every, every stories and whatnot. Then, then you have one game on a Friday night. Come on now. But anyway, my thing, my, my, my weekly recap duffer. Okay. It was is Super this Bowl. the new segment. Yeah. Weekly recap. We had the Super Bowl on Sunday. It yeah. started with St. Louis putting up seven in Montreal Sunday afternoon. It brought up a tweet by the St. Louis Blues during the Super Bowl that, hey, we're the only team in Missouri that has scored a touchdown today so far, right? Mm -hmm. So they scored seven. Buffalo scores seven against LA. Uh, Edmonton scores eight against the Detroit Red Wings. The Rangers score seven against Montreal. They've been victimized twice by a touchdown this year. Nine last nine, Dallas. Like there's been a lot of really high scoring games this week when coming off the All-Star break, it was all low scoring, right? It was all 2-1, 2-1, 3-2. We've had a lot of high scoring games this year, this week, which I like it. Why is my first thought after you emptied the tank on high scoring games to think that most of the teams that had the high scoring then didn't have a great game the next game? Uh, well, it did happen. St. Louis, St. Louis lost <laughs> against Toronto. Buffalo yeah. lost. Edmonton lost because they just lost to St. Louis after blasting Detroit. After eight. Uh, we'll get to see what the Rangers do on Sunday afternoon because that's right. their next game after scoring seven to Montreal yeah. last night. It's just a weird, you know. Dallas like it's, had nine. I don't know. They, they, yeah. yeah. It's just weird because, again, it tied in with last night, right? Like with your we, mom, your mom's well, comment. <laughs> as mom being representative of every fan ever. Like so yes. many people walk into the building last night and they're so excited because it's like, oh, that was so fun on Tuesday. I hope it can keep going. But the second part yeah. of that is, I'm worried that they've exhausted all their offense. Or and Tuesday, I, I they walk out and they're like, that was fun, but they should have saved some for next game. And think of like the like the craziest two-game stretch in franchise history that we witnessed earlier this year when they lost to Columbus and then put <laughs> up nine Toronto. the next game. Like, it was like, wow. So anyway, it's just what I guess, I mean, we will have time at the end of the show, but real quick, like, what do you, before Shana joins us here at the bottom? Yeah. What do you expect tomorrow based on the line tweaks in practice and or, which is part of the reason why there were line tweaks in practice, Thompson, two points in 11, Skinner, one point in seven since returning from injury, yeah. middle stat, no goals in nine. What what What's the one thing that you're expecting will change or you'll see tomorrow against Minnesota? Well, first of all, Minnesota has won four after the All-Star break, right? And oh. they've been tight games, like two to one, three, two, two to one. Like, that's the way they're playing right now. So that's a tough task. Number two, I know it's a team game. There's 20, well, 18 skaters, two goalies, coaching, whatever. For me, it's about one line and one line only. What is Tage with Tuck and Skinner going to do? We, like, Tage has, you said, a goal and an assist in his last 11. Skinner hasn't really fared well. Um, Tuck was doing good with Middlestat and Greenway, but now it's time to see what he can do with Tuck. And that's all that matters to me. And I, there's a lot more that we can talk about. But if there is a offensive, um, I don't want to call it outburst, but if there's just an offensive presence mm -hmm. from the Thompson line in Minnesota, I'll be happy. I'll be happy because it hasn't been there in now three weeks. Shane has been there or here every Friday for the last, I don't know. Has it been two years or has it just been a year? I don't know. Feels like she's been year, part of the show for quite a long yeah, time. Maybe like a year and a half, a year. Well, she's our favorite guest. Sorry, Darren. And she's next on Sabres Live. Stay with us.
Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. As promised, Shana Goldman from The Athletic has joined us here, her Friday edition. And Shana, did Buffalo witness last night the favorite for the Stanley Cup, the Florida Panthers? Are they your favorite at this point in time? They are my runner-up. Okay, like the whole season. And I like, I'm I'm someone, I'm going to stick to my guns. Last year, my runner-up for the Cup was the Boston Bruins before the season started, and I... I held my, and everyone thought they were going to be bad, so I held my ground. This year, the Panthers felt like the next version of the Boston Bruins because you had the Montour and the Ekblad injuries, and how are they going to navigate it? So for me, that's my runner-up to um, the Dallas Stars, actually. That's that's my pick, and I'm going to stand by it. Oh, I thought you were going to humor me and say the Vancouver Canucks just to, like, <laughs> see my reaction and then say, nope, not going to happen. Uh, right now. Vancouver remains atop the overall standings in the driver's seat for the president's trophy. But as of this morning, Florida, number two, four points behind. So what a race it may be. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, we saw right? last night was like, obviously, Anthony Stolarz, and we talk goalies often. Um, but we usually talk about impactful number one netminder. I want to ask you after... Colorado's performance against Tampa, uh, you know, we've seen other like, is is a backup goaltender now, and I don't want to diminish the job, but as important, like Colorado needs to find themselves a backup, right? And then yeah. you see that Florida, Alex Lyon last year saved their season. And Casey DeSmith's doing good for Demko in Vancouver. And same with Brossois in Winnipeg for Hellebuck. Like the backup goaltender needs to be a high priority for some teams now, right? Yeah, absolutely. You can't have it that if your goalie is out, you're done, right? Because injuries happen, especially over, I mean, the course of the playoffs, what are you going to do? It helps to have options to shake things up. Like we know for vibes alone, right? Pulling a goaltender is something that teams might do just to wake up, you know, the rest of the bench. And you can't do that if you don't trust them. It's like, you know, the Packers with their kicker this year when they said like, yeah, when he takes a field goal, we just pray that he's going to get it. Like that cannot be your strategy for a backup goaltender. Far too important. So yeah, Colorado is a team you could say they definitely need one because they're they're not as dominant as they could be right and some of its injuries and they haven't had a full lineup and things like that but they definitely need a backup especially because their starter is not that elite tier that you can rely on above all else but even the teams with that the the rangers the lightning the stars like you still would say ottinger needs a strong backup and wedgewood is that the rangers have quick vasilevsky could use a little more support behind them too. Like you want to have more than one at every position. You would say that the same for center defenseman, anything else. This is a goalie plays 60 minutes a night, at least. I can't believe you use a out of context quote by Matt LaFleur or apparently (laughs) like it was misquoted. Like, come on. We all knew that kicker was having a tough year and yeah, they were praying every time they put the ball down. So I I think that's funny. That's going to oh. be my new catchphrase. And people are like, oh, what are you going to get when you get me on a podcast appearance? I want it to, well, we just pray shouldn't say something bad. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, you mentioned the Avalanche there. They just capped a one, four, and one road trip where they gave up 25 goals. So, yeah, they might be in the market for some addition to their crease before the deadline comes to pass. Arizona's lost seven in a row. The Bruins have dropped three in a row and four out of five. We just mentioned the Avalanche. The Oilers have uh, been a little more normal here, which is the correction period after the monstrous 16-game winning streak. The Predators seem to have hit a down note. Columbus fired their GM. Where do we go with all of this? Like, what's the big what's the big angle here for you, Shana? Um, you know, because we are getting that much closer to the deadline. And for some teams, they simply can't let it go by without doing something meaningful. Yeah, it's it's an important reality check. And it's it's for different reasons, right? The Bruins, yes. it's not how you fall, it's how you get back up. The same is true for the Oilers. They got back up with you know flying colors. And you could say, have we seen the true Edmonton Oilers this season? We've seen the bad, the horrific, <laughs> and the amazing they are very good, but we need to see that normalize. And what do they do after a loss now that, you know, the streak is over? And how do they rebound? What do they adjust? And the same is going to be true with the Bruins. For a team like the Predators, though, it's the reality check that they need. And the same with the Flames, right? Last mm -hmm. night, the Flames lose to the Sharks. Yeah. Talk about a heartbreaking loss. And, yep. you know, sure, it's not Markstrom mm -hmm. in that, and you didn't have your best lineup out that means. And we think about Markstrom, what a difference maker he's been because the Flames haven't had that same defensive identity we think of. They've had a lot of missteps in their own end this year. And it's important because it's going to tell you what to do towards the deadline, right? You know, recency bias is what everybody uses. And yes, you need to think about more than that because you have to think big picture. That recency bias might kick a general manager to do the right thing if you're Nashville, if you're Calgary. And then we'll see what happens with St. Louis because that recency bias might push them to do the wrong thing. So it's going to be really interesting what teams learn from these next few weeks because they are so important, but they're just one part of the puzzle, right? New Jersey is two points back of Detroit, six back of Toronto, seven back of Philly for third in the Metro. They got Jack Hughes back. It feels like New Jersey is a different team with Jack Hughes. They look different on the ice, right? Oh, um, yeah. But more importantly, Jack Hughes probably delivered the quote of the year to Victor Arvidsson on the penalty bench when he looked over to him. He says, hey, people pay to see me play. Um, is all 80,000 at MetLife uh, paying to see Jack Hughes play on Saturday night? Or is it uh, a mix of Philly and New Jersey? But uh, Jack Hughes definitely worth the price of admission. Yeah, he's worth it. Um, and the part is like the first half of the quote. Once I heard the first like half, that was something like he was intending to injure him. And, you know, like people are here to see him. You can't do that type thing. I loved it even more. Like I want the drama on the ice. We've had so much drama off the ice this year that and we've had a ton on the ice, but I want to just see it on the ice keep amping up. And this is what we need, right? You know, you think back of the years. I always think of like the you're relevant quote from like, I think it was Jody Shelley and Mike Ruff. And I'm like, that that's the trash talk I crave. So if you can get me more of that and Jack Hughes is going to deliver, I'm here for it. But he's right. People pay for him. You know, if you're going to go see the Devils and Jack Hughes isn't in the lineup, it's a completely different team. Yes, there's Nico Heeshear, who's one of the more underrated players in the league. And Jesper Bratt's great. But, like, let's face it, Jack Hughes is worth the price of admission because he is such a game breaker. And you see the difference of when he's in the lineup and the difference of when they can get a couple of consistent saves, which they can't get ever. So uh, the last three games are finally getting that. 
my instincts are validated by that whole sequence because Marty questioned why I put in Victor Arvidsson's return in our news and notes segment yeah. last night on the pregame show. And I'm like, because I, I love Arvidsson. He's, he's going yeah. st to stir it up. And sure enough, the Kings win with his return and he gets under Hughes' skin. So I love it. I'm with you. I'm here for all of it. And, the timing uh, was so, let's explain though, the timing. We rehearsed the pre the pregame show <laughs> and the elements, right? And just as... It, we are elements? doing Where the news we, and what notes. What elements are we in? I'm sorry. I need to know that detail. We're in the elements. Are we outdoors for it? No, no. The elements, like the visual oh, elements okay. that we're going to see. <laughs> like we're, you know, the, yeah, different elements. But, Stadium you know, series weekend, you know. Yeah, yeah. right. Oh. So the, I see that the three things are GM fires, uh, GM fired in Columbus. It is Couturier, captain of the Flyers, and Victor Arvidsson comes back. And I just got a notification. Connor Bedard is playing tonight. <laughs> I look over and I say, hey, Bedard's playing tonight. He goes. I don't care. I want Arvidsson in my news and notes. That's my stuff. You gotta care about both. I mean, Bedard's back, and all of a sudden, it's like I can watch the Blackhawks again at least for the twenty minutes he's on the ice. Yeah. But Arvidsson, when that line is clicking, and it's Arvidsson, Dano, and Trevor Moore, they are so much fun. That yeah. is like my kind of two-way, mm -hmm. annoying, sandpapery under your skin, but also super skilled combination. Like if I had to be a player, that's what I like. I would want to be that kind of player because I know yeah. I. Like my, I wouldn't be able to help myself. If, if so I'd be up Jack, Jack uses it's like under his skin the whole time. Yeah. For, and you know, so Buffalo goes into Minnesota tomorrow and this ties in with Bedard's return, which gives him a lot of racetrack to amass some pretty good numbers still before this year ends. But my argument would be that Brock Faber has actually been the most impactful, consistent rookie this year. He's of course with Minnesota who the Sabres are going to see tomorrow, but like, give us, your take on on Faber, how good he's been as a rookie, but also since you just talked about St. Louis, Nashville, Calgary, like what's the reality check here for Minnesota? And in your eyes, what should they be doing when they get to the deadline? Well, what they should be doing is looking for a new general manager because their general manager recording in progress um, put them in a position to fail. Right? You look mm -hmm. at what happened with the extensions they did before the season started. You're going. Marcus Foligno, you extended when he should have been a trade chip. Ryan yep. Hartman, I understand it at least, right? Like they need centers. So I look at that and I go, what options do they have? They have a ton of no movement and no trade clauses. You want to clear cap space if you're Minnesota, but you have guys like Alex Galagoski, you literally can't move. Like, what are you to do? Um, but you you look at them and you look at what Brock Faber's doing, and you do want to capitalize on it. Obviously, it hurts you don't have Jared Spurgeon this year, but Faber mm -hmm. has stepped up to the plate in every which way in all situations he's been fantastic and he has a great case for the call there what hurts his case is that when Bedard first went out of the lineup is when we saw the first like real missteps of Faber's season and he trended down for a couple games mm -hmm. and you know it didn't impact him as much on the score sheet it was below the surface and we don't count that for the Calder trophy so it yeah. might be totally fine right but he he's just he's so sturdy and stable and plays the game the right way and in a a proactive shutdown defensive kind of way it's not just one way he's helping on both ends of the ice but for the wild we look at the teams around them and say do you have a chance to capitalize on it and it all depends on Matt Boldy and Kirill Kaprizov, because if they're going and they both are finally starting to, mm -hmm. then the rest of the lineup can take shape around them because they are built to, you know, their their plan for success is all built around their star players. And if they're not getting it, they're they're just going to struggle. And that's what happened earlier this year. That can help them overcome some defensive issues and some goaltending issues. But um, I don't I don't know if they can sell. If I'm them, I step back and retool, but I just don't think that they're in a position to do so because of their contracts.
What about Pittsburgh? They are most likely going to miss. And now Jay Gensel is out for ah, weeks. He's... They won last night. Now all of a sudden <laughs> it looks a lot rosier than it did two days They're ago. They're going to miss. And uh, there's too many other teams. But anyway, that's that's my news and notes that I'm putting in right now, Duffer. They're going to miss. But Jay Gensel is out four weeks. And he's probably the best player available at the trade deadline. Now, I know there's other players that are good, but I think Jay Gensel is probably that that top end player. Yeah. Um, does that change what Pittsburgh does or what other teams are going to do because Gensel is out for four weeks? If I'm Pittsburgh, unless I have a thousand percent certainty, I'm not extending Jake Gensel. I do not move him. And I know he's the player in most cases, right? We talk about the flames. If you can move Jacob Markstrom, do it tomorrow. That is going to get you yeah. the return. You need to thread the needle and turn this around quicker. But if you're Pittsburgh, who are you replacing Jake Gensel with? Nobody. He's not someone that just helps you this year. He helps you in the next few years too. He's an excellent, excellent player. And he's an excellent player without Crosby too. It's not all the Crosby effect, although that obviously helps. So if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm exploring every avenue to see if they can extend him. And if not, you have to move him at this point, right? If they fall out of the race. But if you're Pittsburgh, you're also looking at Philly the entire time, right? If Philly sells, what happens to their playoff positioning? They're down to one goaltender. Yep. And I do like Sam Harrison, but you know, you look at that that situation, you look at their defense. Ristolainen's hurt. When yeah. ideally, if I'm the Flyers, I take his turnaround and say, look at what we did with him. Let's flip him at the deadline. And then we don't have to move a Sean Walker type because that heavy style is going to cost something at the deadline, right? Mm -hmm. So if I'm Pittsburgh, I keep looking at Philly and go, well, if you have to move Sealer and you have to move Lawton and you have to move Walker, how do you stay in this playoff position at this point? And is this something we can capitalize on? Especially if somehow Detroit slips out of that wild card seed too. There could be up to two spots available for Metro teams to take advantage of. Yeah, for sure. Lastly, uh, real quick, any anything uh, from your end on the Sabres and, and what you've you know been thinking now about their reality as they get close to the deadline? I think the... Uh... Lukopekalukin injury might decide everything right there because he's been their MVP over the last stretch. But he I'm should be okay. The latest is he should be uh, fine for tomorrow. He practiced oh, practiced okay. today, but again, I think it raises just a concern in general, right? Like, I mean, he's obviously going to be working through something here. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. You how just that... rest him. But the standout yeah. for me is the lineup tweaks. Um, I really like that Peyton Krebs got put in a more offensive position. I feel like that's something we haven't seen enough for him since he's come to the Sabres. He has those playmaking skills and he has offensive ability, but on that fourth line, he's not going to show it. So if you put him with Benson, who is playing really well right now, and Paterka, who's mm -hmm. arguably the Sabres' most consistent player this year, I like it. Even though like that line with Cousins did have good underlying numbers, just a, I think they were shooting three, but the on-ice shooting percentage was like three. So yeah. you expect the bounces to change at some point. But I think this is I think this is ideal for them. And if you can get that top line going, obviously that's for the best because Akposo, their the underlying numbers were pretty poor. Me, I wonder if this maximizes the you know the lineup a little bit. But I feel like that Paterka line is a little bit more of a line two than a line three. See, the three percent shooting percentage doesn't even factor in the post that Cousins hit yesterday because that's not a shot on net, <laughs> so it doesn't count against your shooting percentage. So it probably is more like two and a half percent than the three. Oh, so yeah, it was tough. Yeah. It was tough indeed. Shayna, thank you. Enjoy the weekend. Will be you be uh, uh, glued to the uh, the stadium series outdoors? <laughs> yeah, of course. The NHL promoted it so much. I can't get enough of these outdoor games. I'm just thrilled that they're and on you know, that note. That, uh, <laughs>
about <laughs> 12 years after they were at their peak they're gonna finally have gaslight anthem performing so i'm excited about that so all right <laughs> see you jonah's next week brothers jonah's brothers that too yeah, they they're excited go. about it so should we be shana thank you thanks for having me we're back after this on sabers live Back with more of Sabres Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Welcome back. The Bandits are in Halifax tonight. You can watch that on ESPN Plus at 6.30. The Amherst are home at 7. You can watch that on AHL TV. And if Jordan Greenway, happy birthday, Jordan, big 27 for him. If the Sabres were going to Nashville, Marty, and not Minnesota right now, would we see Greenway duplicating Matt Duchesne and his efforts from Tootsie's last night? I don't think it would be uh, Greenway. I think there would be some Sabres that would be on stage at Tootsie's singing. I don't know how many of them can play the guitar like Matt Duchesne did, but after you score nine goals and you beat your former teams, um, you can do whatever you want in Nashville. And, uh, I mean, that was a pretty good performance. It's got to be really confident about going on stage where professionals have been and doing exactly what he did singing a song that's pretty good with half a career in that city how many times do you think he's already played tootsie stage like seriously see but that's the thing though like if you are maybe in a charity event or not but i think it's easier to come back and do it as the visiting team when you're here in town once than if you're the local guy and then everybody wants you to do it and then mm-hmm. you gotta say no right I Who would you pay to good. see among the other birthday performers uh, the weekend, like in life in general, big picture? Who would you have wanted to pay money to see the weekend? Ice T, John McEnroe. For me, it's John McEnroe because I've never been to a live tennis match and I love tennis. And imagine if I went to see Jimmy Connors, John McEnroe back in the days yelling at each other, right? The mm-hmm. whole thing. I think it'd be fantastic. What was the name of that cocktail at the U.S. Open that Shana indulged in this past uh, year when she oh, was at the I U.S. Open? I remember. Oh no! Then we they have had 10 a seconds lot of left. Them. They had a lot of them. Uh, the melons. Yeah. <laughs> the melon something. Thanks, Jeff. Producer Jeff. The melon hey, something. Maybe Chris Baker will fill us in <laughs> <laughs> next week on Sabers Live. We'll see you tomorrow.